Hey sisters, how are you feeling in your body today? I am really excited to bring you a super special episode today where we have the amazing Leslie Richards on who is a physiotherapist that specializes in pelvic health. Now this is something I have wanted to share with you guys and bring to you guys for before I even started the podcast because one of the most common things I hear from you all in perimenopause and menopause is frequent urination in the night that is keeping you from sleeping well. I hear a lot of people, a lot of my other fitness friends talking about leaking when they're working out or being unable to do certain things, whether you've had children or not. And there is more to that story. And meeting Leslie helped me understand that the normalization of leaking or urinating that frequently is not okay. That there are solutions that we shouldn't have to live disrupted that way, even though obviously there is some hormonal elements to having to wake up in the night and go to the bathroom, most of it can be fixed. And we wanna remove that that normalization today for you. I want to educate you on how to improve your pelvic floor health, why it matters in menopause and perimenopause, and how to really start doing it on your own. So before we dive in, because I am really excited for you to hear about it and, and recognize this is a longer episode than usual for us, but there is so much great content here. So if you have to break it up into four different 15 minute slots or three different 20 minute slots, take your time, take in this beautiful content. And just remember before we dive into this, if you are struggling and you need a quick fix with your hormones and your health and your weight release, if you are struggling and you need real direction on your own self-paced direction, or if you're struggling and you really need more in-depth one-on-one coaching, I have a solution for you. Make sure you're checking out the links in my Instagram bio, as well as the links in the podcast notes here so that you can reach out to me and utilize the tool. I have for you. I want to help you. I have been there, sister. So without further ado, let's dive in. What's up, sisters? Welcome to the Period Whisperer podcast. I'm Bria. I'm your host. If you're new, I'm so happy you are here. I'm your perimenopause and menopause sister, your holistic trainer, hormone specialist, translator of your female body. I'm a recovering people pleaser and hustle addict turned body whisperer and hormone decoder. And I am here to help you de-stress your body, decode what it is saying, become the CEO of it, and own your own health, energy, and weight loss again. This show is for you, the overwhelmed, overworked, underappreciated step woman who dreams of a body they feel strong, energetic, and sane in. The woman who knows that she shouldn't just wave the white aging flag and believes in a body and life of peace, love, and purpose. But you don't just know how to get there yet. So if you are stuck in your body, your energy, your life, you are in the right spot. Let's lean in and learn what our bodies are saying to us. Hi, Leslie. (laughs) Welcome to the Period Whisperer podcast. I'm so happy that you're here. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to to be here to chat with you. Me too. Me too. We've actually, I feel like we've talked about doing this for a long time. You know, even before the podcast happened, we've had these conversations um, that always inspire me to one, improve my own health, but also like, and understand that more women need some of the knowledge that you have. So what, why I'm so excited to have you here is, you know, like I was saying before we hopped on the period whisperer podcast is about teaching women how to listen to, you know, the whispers of our body and help us understand what our body is telling us, because I think we're really disassociated from it and we're never really taught. Um, and something that you specialize in. So I'll, I'll introduce you and then maybe I'll let you tell a little bit about yourself, but, um, I'm, I'm so excited to have Leslie Richards on the call. She is a physiotherapist that specializes in pelvic health. um, And she has helped me over the years as well, pointing out, you know, when it's appropriate to, or how you should feel in in your pelvic health. And um, I just think what we, what I've learned, even in the little bit, we've talked about it has helped me realize how important this piece is, how much I don't understand, you know, 
what my pelvic you know, floor is even saying to me and why it should be a certain way and not another way. So we'll dive into that a little bit, but um, yeah, maybe I'll just pass it over to you. You can tell us a little bit more about you and what you do. All right. So as Bria said, my name is Leslie Richards. I am a physiotherapist and I've specialized in pelvic health physiotherapy. Um, I've been working in physio for, I think, 13 or 14 years now and started off doing orthopedic physio, you know, kind of the typical um, hips, knees, low back, shoulders, you know, what you would think really when you go to a physiotherapist, you know, for treatment, for for help. I've worked in long-term care. So I worked with elderly um, and people who had limited mobility or um, any type of neurological conditions that limits and and kind of make some uh, need extra assistance. And so we work together to to gain mobility um, and just keep them feeling as good as they can. I've worked a little bit in community physio as well, going into people's homes And it's something that I found, you know, as I've I've gradually made my way towards pelvic health physio is um, one, the low back, the pelvis, the hips are such a common area to work with, you know, that people have issues with. Um, And it is an area that uh, we often kind of get limited in our, our treatment. You know, we get so far and we never get people totally out of discomfort or full function or, you know, they, they, a lot of people will say, you know, I've always had the, you know, I, oh, I always have some chronic kind of low back pain and it goes up and down or I've had some treatment and, you know, but, but it's always there. Um, what I've, I've learned now um, is the pelvic floor, you know, the internal muscles of the pelvis are often, I think that missing key or missing piece of the puzzle that would help to kind of unwind and find a little bit more uh, or better function and hopefully less pain. And um, yeah, just general better mobility, more functional mobility. And so that's something that's been kind of neat to work with and to see you know, there are a lot of just typical pelvic health symptoms, you know, leakage of urine, constipation, pain with intercourse, um, prolapse, pelvic organ prolapse, um, that, that are very kind of obviously pelvic health or pelvic floor symptoms, but chronic low back pain, hip pain, uh, pelvic pain, you know, pain and any, that whole area. And even people are kind of disassociated, disassociated with where their pelvis is, oh, you know, we you don't really, is? can you tell us? Specifically well, if this yeah. is um, well, if you take your hands and you place them on what we call our hip bones, mm-hmm. you know, right at the lowest part of our, our abdomen, that is the front of your pelvis. And you can follow that kind of along to the back and kind of follow that wing of the pelvis until you get to the points where a lot of people have little dimples in this area. Oh, yeah. But I remember you have dimples there. I don't know why. (laughs) (laughs) The things you notice. Um, (laughs) But a lot of people do have dimples. And so that's the back part of the pelvis. So they're called your uh, ASIS or anterior superior iliac spine, your posterior superior iliac spine, kind of, you know, anatomical terms. So that gives an idea of the top kind of wings of the pelvis and they join together with your sacrum. So the lowest part of your spine, which is kind of like a, 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 a triangle shape or wedge shape. And then we have our tailbone right at the very bottom, the lowest Um, and so the pelvis is actually two separate bones, you know, that come together in to the sacrum in your SI joints, your sacroiliac joints. Okay. And then in the front in your pubic bone. So you can kind of feel right down your pubic area. Oh, wow. That's all part of your pelvis. That is where the joint to your pubic synthesis is in the front. And then you've got this opening, you know, the outlet at the bottom, where you can feel your, your sits bones or the bony bits in your bum, you can kind of shift side to side and pull the tissue aside and feel those bony bits. Um, that is kind of the side part. So I'll often talk about the pubic bone in the front, the sits bones on the side, 
the tailbone at the back make up kind of this opening at the base of your pelvis. And that's where your pelvic floor muscles attach onto, you know, through that area. And they really anchor onto the tailbone. So that's another really common tailbone pain because the tailbone is this anchor attachment for the pelvic floor muscles. Um, we can get a lot of strain, you know, you can get that tailbone almost kind of curling or tucking under if you've got a lot of pull or tension in these muscles. Oh, um, yeah. So we, yeah, we, we don't even think about this area. We become kind of disassociated with it. And, um, so I think people health. just automatically often say, you know, like, oh, I have lower back problems or, oh, you know, like I pee myself because I had babies. You know, I think yes. what I found so interesting and what I think I'm hearing from you is that we have these common symptoms, anything. And, and you said constipation as well is the common. Yes. Symptom? Yeah. Like constipation. Pelvic, a poor pelvic health. Is that what we would say? Poor. Yeah. So the pelvic, you know, pelvic floor muscles. Um, did you, sorry, did I interrupt you? Do you want no, to no, go ahead. Muscle? No, I want to. <laughs> <laughs> the pelvic floor muscles, just like any other muscle in our body, um, needs to be able to contract. I mean, I'm showing Bria yeah. here with my fingers, but it, you know, muscle fibers run kind of lengthwise. And when yeah. they contract, they glide together. When they relax, they glide apart. And when they stretch their lengthen, they, they come, you know, stretch apart a little bit more. Okay. And so we want to, for, for proper function of the muscles, we want to have this full range of motion. Mm-hmm. You know, we want to have the be, a, ability to be able to give a little bit. We also want to have the ability to contract yeah. and we want to have coordination of these muscles that they're working kind of when they're adapting and, and firing appropriately. Yeah. Um, so with, I can't even remember where we're going from there with, with pelvic floor, pelvic, pelvic function, um, proper function or, or optimal function. We want to have both of this length as well as strength. Mm -hmm. Um, more often than not, you know, it's always quite surprising that tension or tightness yeah, is often a contributor and a, a you know a, a major contributor. We usually think with pelvic floor and pelvic health, I need to strengthen those muscles. And you know, everybody kind of knows about the Kegel, and the, you know, you might think I've I'm, I've been told to do a hundred Kegels a day, and I contract, contract, contract. And if I, you know, I if I um, leak when I do a jumping jack, we'll try to do your Kegel before before you know when I land from, you know, on the trampoline or whatever it is we're doing, let's engage those muscles and contract them. And, um, you know, this is delving a little bit deeper into the function of the pelvic floor. Uh, part of its function is our core, you know, it's part of our core canister. So we have our, our pelvic floor on the bottom, our diaphragm on the top, our abdominals kind of wrap around front and side yeah. and then find the back extensors through the back. So we have this canister um, that provides support, that provides stability, or that is that is what it's there for. Uh, it's also a pressure management system. So when we take a nice big breath in and our diaphragm drops down and takes up space within our abdominal cavity, yeah. you know, creates more space up in the rib cage for lungs to fill up. Um, if we don't get that expansion through tummy, through sides, through low back, through pelvic floor, you know, a little bit of a shifting out as diaphragm drops down, we get increased pressure within our abdominal cavity. Oh, interesting. And that how we breathe is impacting it is what you're saying. Yeah. Breath work is, is usually the first exercise I give to anyone that I'm working with, with for pelvic health, because it's so closely connected with our diaphragm, you know, they run parallel with one another. So that is a great way of starting to get a bit of lengthening and relaxation is just working on nice big belly breaths, Mm -hmm. trying to allow the belly to expand, you know, noticing the side, shifting out the back, shifting out the pelvic floor, Mm -hmm. you know, lengthening. And we often use visualizations because it's hard to connect with that area. You know, if you have kind of ignored it or be, you know, you've had trauma, you've had injury, you've had pain, you know, if you've had something going on in that area, 
it will become, it can be even become blurred in the representation within our, our brain. You know, we, we get this lack of connection, lack of coordination, lack of ability. And so we can get this increased pressure within our abdominal cavity. If we have tension in pelvic floor, you know, this is, we live in a world that tells us to suck in, you know, and, and, you know, rather than allowing a little bit of mobility there. Interesting. Contraction. much contraction and not enough. Yeah. And whether it's through abdominals, whether it's through pelvic floor, you know, we have, a, we live in a world where we have a lot of tension in those low back muscles. And we, if we don't have that expansion, that ability to expand a little bit, the pressure in our abdominal cavity increases and that pressure go, you know, has to go somewhere. So it might go through our pelvic organs. So whether that is a pelvic organ prolapse, whether that is in through the bladder. So every time you um, do a big move, whether it is, you know, an exercise, whether it's jumping, whether it's coughing or sneezing, and we get this downward pressure, Uh um, we get a little bit of a leak because this pressure has got to go somewhere. And the pressure might be too much for what that pelvic floor can maintain. And we get a leak. So if we can kind of coordinate our breath Mm -hmm. and find some, some mobility, some flow, kind of some fluidity within our core system, you know, that being abdominals, that being pelvic floor, you know, that being able to do some of this stuff with a breath, you know, not holding your breath when you're, when you're exercising and moving, um, is all going to just help with that, that pressure management system, which is going to help with these pelvic floor symptoms. You know, I talked about prolapse of, of, pelvic organs, you know, hernias, <clears throat> disc prolapses oh. or herniations, you know, all of this can oh. be created through this increased pressure in our abdominal system. Cause it's got to go somewhere. Um, that's so, and I'm so, sorry, just so I can understand. And then I do want to connect the dots for everyone listening, but like, just so, so this pressure comes from really just our regular lifestyle or buildup of trauma <clears throat> or like, where does this pressure even, because it's fascinating well, as, as we hit this age and this is, these are the dots I really want to connect for women is if you are, you know, most women listening to the show are going to be in this 35 to 55, they're irritated by their, you know, perimenopause hormonal problems, you know, and certainly lower back pain and, you know, leaking or, or urination, things like that are really, you know, confusing symptoms where we think maybe this is part of menopause or perimenopause, but ultimately like whatever it's a part of it's, it's, um, it's something happening that your body is telling you this isn't normal. Like I need help. Um, So that's first what I just want to tie for everyone here is recognizing Like these are just ways that your body is telling you and it isn't normal and no, you don't have to just live with it. Yeah. And, um, and, and the other thing I think that I want to make sure to point out is like part of, you know, what begins to bother us so much in these years, these perimenopause years, it's, it's like, you know, we've kind of already headed up to here, right? Like our body is just done putting up with things not being done properly. It starts starting to kind of break down. And that's why these things irritate us so much. You know, all of a sudden we just are bothered more. And these are some of the key symptoms. And and likewise, when you're living in this body that has, you know, that's kind of stressed or irritated, chronic pain, I guess we'll call it, whether it's lower back pain or, you know, from the, you know, a weak pelvic floor, for example, a weak pelvic, unhealthy pelvic, how would I say it? Poor pelvic health? Yeah, poor pelvic health. Just, I always, I really don't like the term dysfunctional because it sounds very scary, but, you know, ultimately that the the muscles just aren't working wonderfully, you know, whether it's coordination, whether it's tension, whether it's weakness, you know, there are all these, yeah, wow. different things that can create dysfunction, you know, yeah. and <clears throat> so, um, and I think just uh, like bringing some awareness and normalization to the fact that, like, when we are in some type of chronic discomfort, that also can actually throws out our hormones even further. So these are all things right. that we can get to the bottom of that can improve these symptoms that we have in, in perimenopause and menopause and just age in general, I think. Yes. Yeah. Um, but so some of the key things that we notice if, if we're struggling with our pelvic health is 
again, chronic pain in like the back and the hips or anywhere in that lower core quadrant. Kind yeah. Of. Yeah. Uh, constipation, you're saying painful intercourse, leaking, um, uh, heavy. So I mentioned the pelvic organ prolapse, which a really common symptom that, that people express with that is a, a heaviness in the, oh, the vagina yeah. there. Yeah. Or, you know, I, I, one that, um, feeling like you have a tampon in, but it's not quite right. And it needs oh. to be, adjusted. you don't have a tampon in. Right. Um, and hernia, and that, you're saying, or even in response. It could, you know, could right. be related. It doesn't, right. yeah, could be related to just having some, um, you know, not a good pressure management system. Okay. Yeah. And that kind of brings me back. I think the question I, I asked you and then went off on a tangent was, <laughs> so it's this pressure, that, or sorry, not a proper pressure management system. Yeah. How, where is this pressure coming from? So that, well, yeah, that pressure management system is more like the the breath, you know, like an actual physical pressure system. So if you think about the the diaphragm, almost like a piston that moves up and down when it drops down, the air gets sucked in and it increases when the, the diaphragm drops up. So that, that is the kind of physical pressure system that, <clears throat> but just what, what can lead to or create pelvic, you know, tension or weakness or whatever, you know, why, <laughs> why do we get there? Yeah. And there are so, there really are so many different reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, our, our mental and our emotional <clears throat> health is a, a huge one mm-hmm. that, uh, we don't think about, you know, oftentimes when we think about physical pain, physical injury, injury, physical symptoms, we think about physical trauma issues or trauma or, um, but even, you know, stress, anxiety, depression, pelvic floor has a direct connection with our central nervous system. So that sympathetic and parasympathetic, our survival fight, flight, uh, freeze, or our parasympathetic rest and digest. And when we have this direct connection with it, when we are in and to live in a lot of uh, our life, you know, just the world has created this um, high this level is, stress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. chronic uh, renal fatigue in a way. Yeah, you know, you gotta go, you gotta go hard, you gotta get things done. We have to be productive. Yeah. Um, the things that our body is kind of ultimately designed to to react to and go into that sympathetic nervous system is the life threatening things, but. Uh, what we perceive as life-threatening these days might be trying to return all your emails or trying to get home on the 401 or, um, and we, so we're in that, that sympathetic nervous system so often and that affects our pelvic floor that creates tension. You know, the two, we have two areas that have this direct connection with the central nervous system, the uh, upper fibers of our traps. So right muscles right up in through the neck and the shoulders and our pelvis. Everybody knows, oh, when I'm tense, when I'm stressed, I feel it in through my neck and my shoulders. You know, they, they've kind of found that connection, but we don't, um, well, one, we generally don't change anything. You know, we find that connection, but we just keep living our high levels, you know, high stress life and just deal with it. Um, Or, well, yeah. Uh, But then we also, we don't notice, we don't know or recognize our pelvic floor. We, a lot of us walk around in the world with kind of a tight, tense pelvic floor um, without noticing you know, and that's something that I'll, that's another thing. Breathing is, is often a first, a first exercise just to start working on that. But just, I'll say, start to notice and whether you need to put post-it notes around, whether you need to set a little alarm or you just remember, but start to check in throughout your day and notice, am I engaging those muscles? Am I engaging my bum and vagina? Am I kind of tightening, clenching? Like I'm trying to stop the flow of urine or holding gas. And if you are, see if you can let that go. You know, we don't need to be in that constant state of engagement. And we end up there just out of habit, out of, you know, for pattern, just the same way we often catch ourselves holding our breath or sh- yeah. shrugging our old shoulders up towards our ears. Um, starting to trying to get out of that 
pattern, a pattern of, so this was something that blew my mind that you said to me. And I think this is the area that we're starting to talk about it, where you were saying that part of like, when we're, when we're in a fight or flight mode, or when we get into this place of stress, which is really common right now, constantly common. And the bigger issue is that there's no release of that stress. We're not running from the lion and then we escape from the lion and we have this like this moment of decompression. We're living in this chronic stress in this hustle, hustle, endless world. And what you were saying, and you know, you probably will say it more eloquently is that there's two parts of the body that actually physically recognize that almost before anything else. Yes, that, um, well, I, I think I had mentioned the, even the, um, there was a study done where they put what I want to hear. Uh, sensors on the muscles throughout the body and then showed the participants that, that, um, that had these sensors on scary or startling things mm-hmm. and their pelvic floor muscles were the first direct, even before they blinked their eyes or they pulled their heads back, the pelvic floor engaged. Yeah. Um, it reacted. So it is, you know, we, when you think about often, I I've thought about this and I, I haven't had the opportunity to really try this, but, um, I think about so many motor vehicle accident patients that I've worked with, with chronic pain that we never sorted out. You know, we tried, we tried this, we tried that, we tried all of these different things to try to manage it. Um, And now I think, oh my goodness, I I bet (laughs) one, there, there was something going on with pelvic floor that we just did, you know, I didn't have the training or the understanding, the knowledge at that time to go down that route. Um, But even thinking about, you know, getting into therapy, talk therapy, yeah. uh, you know, and, and working with the trauma that comes along with whether it is an accident, whether it is, you know, I, I find a lot of my pelvic health patients who I work with, who are working, also working with psychotherapists, mm-hmm. um, make such great progress because they're working on, you know, that aspect of it as well. It's so, more holistic what you're saying. Cause we're now you're, yeah. you're approaching your therapy and your growth. And, and really it's, it makes the most sense. Like our, we think it's our body, it's our body, but our body, mind, and soul, like is one very yes. important and we're only as strong as our weakest link. So yeah. Yeah. It's so that, and that's something that I've no, no, go ahead. I've been finding it really nice. You know, I, I, I also see a real connection, um, especially in the last year that I've been practicing of women who have hormone, you know, their hormones are involved in the, in the mix. They come into me for whatever symptom it is, whether it is leakage, whether it is pain. Um, and as we start to delve you know, into our assessment and chat a little bit more and get into their cycles and their symptoms of their periods. And, you know, there's nine times out of 10, if not 10 times out of 10, you know, they've got extreme pain, you know, they have heavy bleeds, they have severe mood um, issues, they, you know, it's, it's just, so I'm quite often referring to your podcast um, because there's just so much information and so many things that connect because, you know, everything that you're saying to women to try to get them at a more balanced hormone level, you know, really does kind of, I just repeat what you say and it, and it reflects on the pelvic floor and pelvic health. Like a lot of it, um, yeah, is that's awesome. It's all working to get the whole body functioning better. And when one system is functioning better, when the gut is functioning better, you know, I have so many patients with Crohn's and IBS and leaky gut. Um, yeah, that, and, and when you think about the bowels, you know, and, and the, how much our pelvic floor, you know, as much as it, it needs to relax, like to have a bowel movement, to have a baby, to go, to, to go pee, um, to have intercourse, <laughs> you know, or, or whatever it is you want to do and to have anything inserted yes. <laughs> or leave the body. Um, you, those pelvic floor muscles need to adjust. They need to adapt. They need to lengthen and relax and release. That and so crazy. So, 
Yeah. And so even coming into bowels, you can, you know, you can um, really, really get some good success in, in improving bowel function, just with working with pelvic floor, working with breath, working, you know, and yeah. Yeah. That's so, okay. I find that really interesting because, you know, one, thank you for saying that about the podcast. I really appreciate it. It's almost like we both come to this where, you know, because it's such a holistic thing, you know, for people to heal and live their, you know, their best lives physically and mentally and emotionally, you know, it's almost like, I know for me with this podcast, it's like, I draw you in because you have these hormonal period problems, you know, (laughs) this is is the surface level of what we think they are and what we know them to be. But ultimately, you know, it's a much bigger piece. It's, there's more to it. Those are the things that irritate us enough to come to a physiotherapist or to come to, you know, a hormone health coach or things like that, or even a trainer. It's like, these are the things that irritate us enough to be like, okay, I have a problem, but we don't realize it's, there's actually, it's not just a one step solution. It really is like emotional and mental just as much as it is what you eat or the exercises that you do. It's really cool. They, they. Holding weight, holding weight around the the tummy, you know. So, like, almost every patient comes to me and says, you know, if only I could lose this weight, then I'm sure I would feel better. Yeah. Um, and then, or you know, I get the the ones that are. I have to do my CrossFit six days a week and, um, or, you know, and, and they're, I want to hold, they, those I want to hold I those know, and and like, it's, it's not need to do that. I know. And that is, I, that's something I, I find I struggle because they're often quite resistant to the idea of, well, maybe you do some yoga a couple of days or, or, you know, for me to send them home with a breathing exercise, they're like, this is the last thing I want to be doing. And this is, and uh, trying to, to educate and, you know, in a gentle way enough. I wonder, I want to just speak to those women because I was those women. I want to speak to those women, you know, where it was like, I remember even saying to you like, oh, like I just find yoga so boring. It doesn't give me that feeling, you know, that release. And yeah. what I have learned is, you know, twofold. One, even Olympic athletes have, you know, an off season or a cross training season. We, in, we, in order to be holistically healthy physically and to get, we have to have that piece. So rest or expansion style workouts are equally critical yeah. for you to be your best. Also, we're, our strength is limited by our flexibility. So, yes, you know, if you're not flexible, you can only be so strong and your, your progress yeah. will plateau. But yeah. Ultimately, you know, for these women who I I was these women who were like, oh, like I just I need that release. I need to know I did this thing. It gives me these feelings. It's (laughs) the obstacle is the way the thing you are not doing is the thing that is going to get you to that next level. And, you know, Mm -hmm. that if if you cannot sit still long enough to breathe through a yoga, you know, or meditation for 20 minutes, that's your new challenge. Like that's the challenge you need and and exactly what your body needs in order to grow. Otherwise you're just going to bump up against that plateau wall. And that's what I actually, it's funny you say that because I've, I have a few patients this past week. I have, I have done this and I said, you know, I, I, I try this. I don't know if it's always successful, but for those people that need, you know, that are the, the driven goal setters, I need to achieve this and, you know, make that goal slowing down mm-hmm. and make, you know, put all that effort that you're going to put into the hard stuff. Yes. Into slowing down. And that's hard. That is going to be harder for yeah. you. And that is going to be more of a challenge and try to get that, like that high from achieving that. Yeah. Rather than having to make it the, the hardcore, you know, I, yeah. Well, it's not hard. Like, you know, you can do as many box jumps as you want. If that's all you do, it's not hard for your body and your more, your body will figure it out. So now it's time to do the thing that is hard for your body, which is often just sitting still (laughs) or stretching or, yes. Yeah. Um, So with the, I found this so fascinating when you were talking about with the pelvic floor, it's almost like you know, in, in personal training, we always think, you know, we need to strengthen, we need to strengthen, you know, a muscle in order to have proper form in order to, you know, re- but it, it is equally important. Usually if one part of the muscle is too strong, then there's another part of the muscle that is too weak. And then we get into this imbalance. And what I think you're saying, so correct me if I'm wrong, but 
like two things are happening. One, because we're living in this constant stress, we've almost are in this constant like tightening of the pelvic floor because it's always in that like freak out mode, we'll call it. Okay. And at the same time, oh, what was I going to say? And um, it's normalized to us to contract those muscles because of this Kegel piece. That's the yeah. solution that has been told to us and, and is normalized in like, geez, I remember on Sex in the City, them talking about doing their key. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's what we're told to do when, when in reality, we need equal parts expansion and relaxation yeah. as contraction. And that's, um, you know, I, 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 I pointed out the tension part and I, I have to say that it's, it's not always tension. You know, sometimes, um, sometimes it is just full weakness mm-hmm. you know they the the muscles are just not strong enough to provide that closure sometimes there is some um neural things going on so if there is some neuralgia or there's been injury or damaged nerve you might have some loss of function of muscles or loss of strength or loss of coordination um so a lot of the times it is tension but okay. not all okay. the time okay. um and that tension can create weakness. So, uh, you know, if there is tension, there usually is a, it, there's weakness associated with that. Okay. Um, just, you know, an analogy that I'll often give is an elastic band one, which people I think it, have probably heard before where you can have, you know, a, a very tight wound up elastic band and you're trying to fling it and you, you don't have very much room to pull back to generate that potential power to get a good fling. So you don't get a very good fling. You have a long kind of loose floppy elastic band, a nice old one, and you can pull it back really far, but there doesn't have that build of potential energy because it's all, you know, it doesn't have that recoil anymore. Right. And then you have your kind of nice, you know, perfect brand new elastic band and you can get a nice recoil. There's some, some, spring to it and then you let go and you get a good rebound so that idea you know if we have tension in there we do need to let go we need to and and stretch and kind of release so we can get that full range you can get that lengthening or that to get the recoil or the strength or the engagement but if you've got you know some people have that you know i hate to say it but like the loose floppy elastic band where they're just you know they've lost this connection for whatever reason and they just and in that sense kegels are a nice way of starting to introduce and play with and we might do that you know as a pelvic health therapist i've been trained to do internal work so it's it's Mm -hmm. not it's not mandatory. You know, everybody doesn't have to have an internal assessment or internal treatment done, but it is very helpful because it's the only way we can get, you know, the kind of a hundred percent what is going on with those muscles. Um, But it's also really nice for treatment because if someone does just has some weakness there while I'm internal, I can have them do Kegel extra, you know, I can have them engage and relax and I can get an idea as to the strength and I can give them some tactile feedback. Um, I can give them some visualizations to work with, to rebuild that connection. Um, so then when they go away and they do them on their own, which might be done, you know, lying on back to begin with where it's just nice and easy and you have no gravity, you've got no movement, and, you know, gradually build into more challenging and upgrades and, you know, all of these other movements and function. But so I know one of the, the most common things that I hear from women, you know, in these pre-menopause years um, is a lot of this, like waking up to pee in this constant frequent urination, which is then <clears throat> impacting their, you know, and I definitely know hormones impact that, you know, we know estrogen levels certainly impact that, but it interrupts the sleep and that interrupts things further and keeps us in this chronic stress. And it's this sort of cycle. Is that specifically, you know, that frequent urination, is that a symptom of, yeah. of pelvic health? Yeah. Pelvic <laughs> function or pel- pelvic health, you pelvic know, function. Pelvic. Yes. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, it is. It's, it's, um, and sometimes those things can be remedied, you know, with simple lifestyle changes. Uh, sometimes, yeah. So we have their, uh, bladder irritants. So certain things that irritate your bladder. So caffeine is one of those alcohol, 
chocolate, spicy foods, tomato-based products, um, artificial sweeteners, artificial flavors. So all of these things that are are in our diet a lot um, can can aggravate and irritate your bladder and make you have that sensation that you have to go more often. Um, So taking a look at your diet and trying to remove some of those and see what happens especially when there's leakage, you know, when you have learned urinary leakage, oftentimes women will, or people will avoid drinking water to try to avoid leaking, but then we create a more concentrated urine, which, which is, is more irritating. Yes. I did know that. So sometimes it's a matter of taking a look at what you're putting into your body. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it is um, kind of habit and behavior. Mm-hmm. You know, we, I I talk often about our bladder and these kind of imaginary fill lines, or or they're really stretch receptors within our, within the bladder. But, you know, as your bladder starts to fill and it hits that first fill line or stretch receptor, there's a signal that goes up to your brain um, just to let the brain, the body, you know, let you know, okay, I'm filling up and you're going to need to go to the washroom eventually. And it lets us know that by having the sensation to go pee. And that's, you know, oftentimes people will think, okay, I, I, yeah, I need to go and they'll get distracted. They'll get busy and the sensation will go away. Yeah. And so that is usually like, maybe you've hit your, your first fill line. You've got that signal, you know, okay. Yeah. I'm filling up. Um, and then it keeps filling, hits the second fill line, second stretch receptor. We get the message up to the brain, the brain, we feel the urge to go, And that's often when we do go to the washroom, but if we don't, again, you can get distracted and busy and that sensation will go away again. And then you get to the full bladder, the third fill line. And that's when it's like, okay, I got to go. Like it's been a few hours and I need either like, there's no ignoring this. So when we have leakage or when we, or even if we have pain, you know, sometimes we have pain as the bladder fills Mm. and So as soon as we feel that urge, we go Right, and, you know, you empty your bladder every time you feel the urge. And so we're going all of the time, whereas sometimes it's a matter of, you know, I'll, I'll often say with, with women I work with who have this frequency, you know, when they're home alone (laughs) or not alone, when they're home, they're not out and about doing this, but when they're home. And, you know, you've just gone to the washroom not that long ago. You had a good pee and half an hour later, you get this urge to pee. Mm-hmm. And you think, okay, my, I know my bladder's not full at this point because, you know, I've just emptied it. I had a nice long pee. Yeah. Um, I'm going to stop for a second. I'm going to take a few nice, big, deep breaths. I'm going to try to relax and see if that urge goes away. I'm get, I might get distracted with something. I might start counting backwards by sevens from a hundred, whatever it is you need to do to kind of distract your brain mm-hmm. and see if that urge goes away. If it doesn't, go to the washroom, go pee. <laughs> if it does, all right, keep going on with your day. You hit that next urge. And, you know, at this one, because that's probably your second, you know, your second fail line, um, you might go to the washroom. You might try, you know, knowing that, okay, I'm going to, I'm home. If I have a leak, it's okay. I, I can, you know, do what I need to do. Underwear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, then, yeah, maybe see if you can do the same thing and you relax and you breathe and, you know, you might do a few contractions and relaxations of your pelvic floor muscles mm. and see if you can delay, you know, that urge um, yeah. So you can start to play with sometimes these cognitive behavioral therapy techniques to make sure that uh, it's not just all in your head. Yeah. Or just, you know, reacting to this, this urge and going, you know, and, and knowing that you're, you know, if you're having kind of quick five second peas, mm-hmm. you're, you're not likely emptying your bladder. If you're having kind of a, 10 to 15, you know, sometimes up to 20 second pee, that would be like a real full bladder. Right. Um, you know, you're probably get it. Your, your, your bladder has, has become quite, you know, full enough and it's really it's empty. Do you, is yeah. there um, any correlation that you know of which, which, you know, for why I know that some people have frequent urination in the day, but is there 
anything that's correlated with the pelvic floor health that has to do with it more being something that happens at night. Yeah, there is. And again, kind of similar, similar thing. I, I think, and I don't quote me on this one because I'm not hundred percent sure, but I think they say over the age of 50 and I'd have to look that up somewhere around there that, um, going once a night is normal or accept, you know, is, is okay. And is that because as we age, things just naturally are like, are more of that loose rubber band? Okay. I don't know. Maybe for, yeah, yeah. That's some, that's something that, um, yeah, I'd have to look a little bit more into. So approaching Um, 50 going once a night can be considered normal behavior and healthy. Yeah. And I don't want to be quoted on that. No, 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 we won't hold less. I've heard that as well. For sure. I've heard that. Yeah. Um, going multiple times, having to go up quite frequently mm-hmm. is not, you know, there's there that would, I would say likely be either a combination of the behavioral. I wake up, I feel like I got to go pee. I'm going to get up just in case and go, you know, the just in case goes are actually not a wonder, not a good habit to get into either. I'm going to go just in case. Yeah. Um, Cause we're kind of training our bladder to, rather than to go through that fulfilling and emptying awesome. to, um, yeah, but there are things, you know, it's a, interesting at how I really discovered this. It was before I had done my pelvic health training, but was working with a physio who was a pelvic health, uh, physio. And I was pregnant at the time with my first, and I said to her, I'm like, it's really funny because before I got pregnant, I would have to get up and go pee in the middle of the night. And now that I'm pregnant, I don't anymore. And isn't it supposed to be the other way around? Like, that's so weird. And she said, well, she said, would you, before you were pregnant, would you have a coffee in the afternoon? And I said, yeah, I I usually would around two or three. And she said, would you drink any wine or anything in the evening? And then I said, maybe a glass. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I would have a glass of wine. Those are both both bladder irritants that I took out of my diet when I got pregnant. Of course. Of yeah. Course. Yeah. And I went through, I think my entire part, maybe not to the very end, but without having to get up and go pee in the ear at night. Isn't that um, interesting? And isn't it interesting yeah. also that we know that alcohol and caffeine can be like real inflammatory irritants and impact the hormones as well. So it's one of these things yeah. that like, you know, as annoying as it is, but if you can pull these things out for a little while, likewise, any type of thing that is inflammatory to your gut. So like the five key gut inflammatory foods, if we pull these things out, it's a very, again, it's a very holistic way of healing everything like the the bladder a break, giving the gut a break, giving the hormones a rest, like letting the body come to rest. Yeah. Yeah. That's fascinating. Um, okay. I know we could talk about this forever and this has been so helpful. Thank you. You know, it's what I was hoping, you know, we could leave everyone with today is, you know, if we understand that it is not normal, you know, for me, it was like, I, I know when I was working out, I was peeing and I thought like leaking, well, I guess is a better way. And I thought it was normal and you helped me understand why it's not normal. You know, so these frequent urination, pain in your pelvic area, lower back, any type of chronic pain in that area is, is not normal. So first let's just make sure we all know that these aren't normal things. You don't have to live like that. And it is yeah. a good indicator of your body saying to you like, Hey, it's time to pay attention to me. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Any other symptoms that you can think of that would, you know, be that indicator for women, especially women in our age box or in the, in the perimenopause and menopause years of, of needing to pay more attention to their pelvic floor or their pelvic health. Their pelvic health. I would say the main, the main ones that seem to come up a lot in, in my, um, I have had some, some women come in with fecal incontinence. Okay. They just would have a little poop every once in a while without really uh, okay. wanting to, to, you know, not meaning to, um, but a lot of urinary symptoms, of frequency. Yeah. Discomfort or like around things going in and things coming out. I guess that's what you were yes. saying. Right? So like- whether it's pap tests, whether it's tampons, um, I've had some women say they either, if they use a cup, you know, not being able to get it in or get in, it. it just falls right out. Okay. Um, 
that sensation of heaviness, pressure, kind of a tampon not being in the right spot when, uh, when you don't have a tampon in. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. And constipation is one that people are often surprised that there is that kind it's so interesting. Um, and it, like you said, it's almost like this, you know, when you think this, the pelvic floor health is almost like that glue that kind of brings everything back together. And so yeah. would you say, you know, I think breath work was one of the things that, um, you know, you mentioned what, you know, what would you suggest for anyone starting to notice these and pay attention to these things? Um, what would you suggest are a couple of first steps for them to work on at home? I will. Yeah. Breath work would be one. And a nice thing with, you know, one thing that, that doing the diaphragmatic breath or the belly breath where you're, you know, I have, have a uh, person initially have a lie down on their back with their knees bent and kind of let their, their pelvis settle in their shoulder blades, relax their head and to get nice and comfortable. You might bring a pillow in if you can't relax head all the way down, just getting comfy. So your body isn't having to hold Mm-hmm. Yeah, hold tension. Yeah. And then you might place hands on tummy and just start working on kind of trying to expand or balloon hands or belly and feel hands rise and fall. Yeah. Um, getting comfortable with that. For a lot of people, that is really awkward. They might breathe even opposite and they suck in their belly and they exhale and they release and they, they mm-hmm. do this opposite breath work where they're creating more, again, pressure within that abdominal system. Mm-hmm. Um, so working on that expansion, a really expansive breath after I've spent a bit of time letting kind of people settle in and focus on belly, mm-hmm. I would stick with the same breath pattern, you know, that expansive breath, but I would just let my mind, my attention move to other areas, to the sides of the body and kind of feel how they shift out to the back of the body and feel how it settles down into the, the mat or the bed or the floor, whatever surface they're lying on a little bit kind of firmer and then easing off with your exhale and then coming to the pelvic floor. And, and a lot of the times people initially say, I don't really notice anything there. Like I don't feel uh, an expansion. I don't feel a, I'll usually say kind of feel for a change in pressure right down to the base of the pelvis, you know, in between the legs or thinking you're filling the pelvis up, um, with your breath, with your inhale. And then as you exhale, kind of letting everything settle back inwards, um, using some visualizations. So whether you are, um, working on kind of trying to find some engagement or connection, you know, if you've got that weak pelvic floor, that, you know, tension isn't as much an issue, but it's more, um, uh, you know, I, I will use some visualizations to build some connection with, you know, drawing objects up and into their vagina or their urethra or their, um, anus, their rectum, Mm-hmm. And then releasing those objects. Oh, and so wow. as you work on, or, or sometimes I'll say kind of thinking about a drawstring purse, if you're connecting all of, you know, all of them together. And as you engage, you kind of feel, think about this drawstring you know, coming oh, up the vagina yeah. up, and you're, it's, it's closing and lifting up as you release, it's dropping and opening a little bit. So you can use visualizations. You can use visualizations to find length or relaxation Maybe as you inhale, you imagine or you visualize a flower in the pelvic floor area. And as you inhale, the flower blooms. As you exhale, the flower closes or that bloom closes. And that helps connect because we... Yeah, the mind-body connection. Yeah. Really Even, you know, I, and I, I should say this to patients more and I don't. And I don't know why I don't. I'm going to. Um, <laughs> looking and feeling. <laughs> You know, you can put your fingers inside your vagina and you can feel if you, you know, when I engage, do I feel those muscles closing around my fingers? When I relax, do I feel that release? Um, Taking a look with a mirror and trying to engage and relax, seeing and just looking and seeing what you see, Um, getting an idea of what it looks like. That's fascinating, right? When, when we don't look at ourselves enough, right? Yeah. Like, again, this is a normalization in the patriarchy as well, teaching us from birth, like not to do those things. You don't touch down there and you don't look don't down look, there. Yeah, don't talk about yeah. it. Don't, don't think about, about it. it. <laughs> yeah, especially women. 
Um, okay. Mm-hmm. And so I think this, that's really, really powerful, this breath work. And I mean, obviously added bonus, you know, that's again, that's holistically going to, you know, relax your whole, you know, <laughs> renals, your whole system and bring yeah. everything back into balance. But can we like, is there a certain amount of time we would feel like, would it be five minutes, three times a day? Like what is ideal for progress? Do you know what? I, I am very much, I think I'm a little bit different from a lot of maybe other physios or typical physios and that I usually kind of go on that a little bit is better than nothing. Of course. Um, and so, you know, I know when, when I had my, my second child after I had her and their way, it was a long year <laughs> and she was a little girl that did not like to be put down ever and walks. I mean, naps were often done in, you know, a carrier during walks. Yeah. And I, you know, in, in the midst of one of these walks, uh, I felt that pressure, that heaviness, like I had a tampon in and I wasn't wearing one. And I thought, oh my goodness, I have a pelvic organ prolapse. <sighs> and it was like, but I had not been, even from a pelvic, as a pelvic health therapist, I was not taking good care of my body. I wasn't in a good place mentally and emotionally. Like it was a, a very rough time. Um, but I was, you know, t- 20 pounds lighter than what I am now. Like I wasn't eating. Yeah for myself. I was always holding this baby that would not let me put her down. I'd fallen into a really slouched poor posture because I was always holding this baby or hold it, having her in a carrier that kind of, and I, it was just kind of a recipe for disaster, you know, a recipe for prolapse or whatever, you know, other symptoms. And so what I started doing was simply when I would, you know, I, when I would put Lucy down for bed, I would lay down beside her for five minutes, maybe. And I would lay on my back and I would start to just connect a little bit. Mm. Um, you know, I, th- I think I had also had, sorry, and two C-sections. So that, you know, talking about the abdominals and the pelvic floor working so co- closely with as mm. the core, you know, both parts of the core when I've had that, um, you know, cut through two times yeah. and then never didn't, rehab afterwards because mm-hmm. you know life and pandemic and you know mental health all of this stuff yeah um so I just I just started you know whenever she had a nap so it was probably a few times a day at that point and I would take five minutes and all I would do is I lie on my back and I would kind of try to find my my core support my abdominals in particular because I don't think I had really lost a lot of connection or strength with my pelvic, my pelvic floor. I had dealt with some other things prior to that, where I really had to work on letting go of tension. Yeah. But I think this was more just that weakness through my, my abdominals and that, that I hadn't retrained. And so I spent, you know, five minutes, a few times a day, just starting to connect. And once I felt, okay, I've got this connection. I started challenging it with a little bit of movements of my legs, you know, maintaining that nice stable kind of torso on my back and extending legs out, moving arms a little bit while I was on my back and then transitioning into on hands and knees and playing with finding that interesting on hands and knees. when I've got a little bit of gravity and then you know, when I was out for a while, I kind of, I gave up the the walking naps, the carrier, because that was not doing me any good. Um, luckily Lucy was at a point that she could be put down. <laughs> and, uh, I started, you know, building in every once in a while when I was in my kitchen, I have a mirror and I would do a few squats where I would really focus on maintaining a nice neutral pelvis and new and, and some core support, some gentle core engagement, you know, not bracing, not tensing, you know, weren't using my breath. And, and as I, as I did these functional movements, just to gradually, you know, and I'm at a point now where I don't feel my, my prolapse anymore. You know, I've probably at this point, um, yeah, I think I kind of self-diagnosed myself as a grade three and I'm probably up to grade one now, which I don't really feel. So that's, yeah. you know, it's, it's nice. It's nice to know that um, even with that little bit, you know, depending on what you you can do, yeah. even if it's just starting to notice, okay, do I hold tension in my pelvic floor? Yeah. 
that really is the beginning, right? Of any type of growth is the awareness. So, you know, if women with anything today, I think it should, you know, it's just one bringing some awareness to the role this plays and the impact that is on our entire holistic health. Um, and just beginning to pay attention. And that for what you're saying, the very first step is just relaxing and breathing as much or as little as you can. And just ch- and checking in, becoming aware. Yeah. Um, Listening to the whispers of your body. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and reaching out, you know, the, the, as much as you can find um, some not so great things on the internet, there are, there's a lot more information on the internet now that you can kind of look in. Podcasts are wonderful. I, I am always listening to podcasts and there's some some good pelvic health podcasts. Maybe what we can um, do, maybe you can let me know what those are and I'll put them in the show notes here for yeah. women, what they are. And, um, but this has been amazing. Thank you so much for it. Oh, thank and, you for having uh, me. I know it's going to help bring a lot of awareness and help to a lot of women, you know, um, and hopefully we'll begin to teach our daughters these things earlier in exactly. life. Right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Leslie. Have a welcome day and we'll talk again soon. All right. Thanks. Okay. Bye. Thank you so much for joining me on the Period Whisperer podcast. I want to encourage you to reach out to me directly and message me if there are topics or things you're struggling with so we can address those right where you are at. And of course, if you loved this episode, if you learned something, make sure to share it with your friends and please rate and review it wherever you get your podcasts.